Welcome to Taking the Higher Road, a Driver Reach and Freight Waves production. I'm your host, Jeremy Raymer, founder and CEO of Driver Reach. On this show, I interview industry experts and thought leaders who bring their insights to the driver lifecycle as we discuss the industry's greatest challenges, driver recruiting and retention. I appreciate all the positive feedback on the show, and please remember to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on whatever platform you're using to listen. I'm excited to be joined today by industry advocate and leader, logistics problem solver, and frequent keynote speaker, a man at the center of technology, workforce, and logistics, Paige Sivlon, CEO of Team One Logistics, a workforce management company. Welcome to the show, Paige. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Jeremy. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, there's a lot I'd like to talk to you about in our brief time today. Uh, I'd like to talk about your background, especially your industry involvement and leadership. Uh, as CEO of Team One, I'd like to uh, you know, uh, break down how you've been able to manage the challenges of a global pandemic and an ongoing driver shortage. Uh, I'd like to hear your perspective on the supply chain issues we're experiencing and your thoughts on how to improve. And uh, let's be sure to highlight Team One Logistics and how you partner with trucking companies, warehouses, and 3PLs. Uh, and of course, we'll answer a question submitted by a listener during our deeper dive segment. Does that work for you? Sounds great. Sounds great. Perfect. We'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and dive in. Um, you've been a busy man this past decade. Recognized by DC Velocity Magazine as Logistics Rainmaker, top 10 logistics professional in the nation. Uh, named a pro to know by Supply and Demand Executive Magazine. You've been selected by Georgia Trend Magazine as one of the top 100 most influential uh, Georgians for a number of consecutive years. Uh, you've also held various industry leadership roles at both state and federal level. Um, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot to be uh, to do in, in, in the last decade or so. Um, what, I want to start with your background a little bit. You know, can you share what, what attracted you to the trucking and, and logistics industry in the first place? How can you not be attracted to logistics and supply chain and, and trucking in particular? Uh, it's it's a great industry. We've got such potential, uh, you know. But joking aside, partial joking aside, you know, logistics and transportation. I I preached for a long time that trucking in particular and the broader word of logistics and what it means because it has various definitions is really the common denominator to our economy. So no matter what business you're in, whether you whether you create freight, whether you move freight, whether you're a shipper or a manufacturer or a technology company, you know, supply chain, logistics, transportation, trucking in particular, um, really fuel that um, all across the country. And I was lucky enough to work in, in a business development role for a variety of um, state groups and, uh, and private companies to, that really saw that and was able to learn more about logistics. I, I sort of joked that I was, I was freight for some time being in the Marine Corps, getting shipped around and uh, so I've, I've sort of grown from being freight to being in freight um, over the years. Well, and you mentioned, uh, you know, military background, too. And I think that makes a lot of sense that that's a natural attraction to supply chain and, and just, you know, coming and going. I mentioned your leadership and involvement uh, in the industry. You're also a frequent keynote speaker. Can you tell me, you know, what are the types of you know things that you're talking about? What, what sort of topics are you often asked to speak about? And, you know, which of those are you most passionate about? Uh, yeah, well, two different questions. I try to speak about what I'm passionate about. Um, and I think hopefully people like hearing what I'm passionate about. And, and really what, what I'm passionate about is is the people side of the business, uh, in particular change. And again, like logistics, change is a big word. You know, how are we, whether it's a pandemic you're going through or whether it's the ongoing driver shortage that we have to go with, how do you, how do you compete and how do you keep up? Um, and there's two different things to do. Keeping up and competing um, don't always go hand in hand, right? But how do you keep up with the changes? Um, you know, they say the only thing constant is change. And that is 1,000% true for the trucking and transportation industry. 
for sure. So I speak a lot about change and what's going on there and how it's impacting this larger ecosystem that is logistics, that is our economy, um, and the different things that go into that. Um, it's a long list, and and it's a pretty uh, pretty easy thing to talk about because there's always something new on the horizon or at our front door. Uh, pun intended, that we've got to deal with as business owners, as as transportation executives. Well, speaking about what's on the horizon, do you do you get into much, or do people ask you much about autonomous trucks, vehicle, you know, that sort of thing, and 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 the impact that they that may have on the trucking industry? Is that something that you're asked about? Yeah, absolutely. We we do talk a lot about um, autonomous trucks. Um, a, a different perspective, you know, where it fits, and everybody says, when are they coming? Um, and so we talk through that um, quite often. How do companies really embrace the goodness of technology and automation and what it can do for you? Uh, the first thing we usually talk about is safety and how technology has has come a long ways towards improving the safety of, of our industry. Um, we've still got a long ways to go and always will um, so that every single driver can get home safe to their families. But um, technology is, is certainly a big part of that. But to be fully automated trucks, you know, that's still ways down the road. And I always like to talk about, you know, put that in context and perspective of when we are going to see trucks driving themselves, because um, that's still a ways off. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I know it's something that a lot of people uh, still want to talk about. And it's sort of a hurry up and wait. Uh, but it is something that's it's it's on the horizon, but but how far down the path. Uh, we first met in person, uh, we both participated on a panel at a, a Georgia Motor Truck Association Leadership Conference on driver recruiting and retention. And as you know, uh, recruiting and retention listed number one and number two on the uh, Atri's Top Industry Issues uh, survey this past year. And uh, I often say that better recruiting begins with a better applicant experience. And I've heard you say, you know, uh, the better the culture, the better the retention. And that's something that really resonated. As a, as a leader, can you share uh, how you're able to create a, a strong culture and, and therefore improve retention with your employees, uh, drivers and staff alike? Yeah, I think you know, it's common sense. We're common. Right. But I think the answer is just don't ever stop recruiting, even when they come to work for you. Right. I mean, you've got to figure out when, at some point we call that retention and that's just a word, but really you've got to act like they're, you're still trying to get them to join your team to put it that way. Um, so how do you do that? Right. So never stop recruiting, even when they start after day one. Um, and so you do that by communication, um, try to, I mean, every CEO says they have an open, open door policy uh, and very few employees, the ones that really mean it really take advantage of that. And that's a shame. Communication is a two way street, but so that that's part of it is you're exactly right. Recruiting is, is key. Um, and culture is driven by, um, by listening. Um, people want to follow people. Uh, they don't want to be led. Uh, they want to be um, around someone that they, they feel like they want to follow and they believe in. Um, and that doesn't take, that doesn't come by you telling them that you need to believe in me and you need to follow me. That that's earned and, and not taken. Well, it's interesting that you say an open door policy and then, you know, the ones that really mean it. Um, because I think that is something that is commonly used and said, oh yeah, sure. But really my door is always closed and I, I actually don't want to talk to you. And everything about my behavior says otherwise that, that, that we have an open door policy. And your point is it's really important to be engaged, to stay engaged, if, if, if not more, even more so once they're an employee, because they actually are, they're bought in and now you've got to keep them bought in. They're bought in and they're frontline and they, they see what you don't, right? Because you can't, as, as, a, as a company owner, as a CEO, or even as a manager, they're, your, your workers, your employees, your family, your team, whatever you, you, word you use to describe them, um, they're going to see stuff and they have real valuable input. And when you say open door policy and I say listening, 
Uh, the worst thing you can do is to say that and then not act on things. You're not going to be able to do everything. And I make that very clear to my drivers as well as my, my, my staff that, you know, I'm listening doesn't mean that I can do everything that you want. You know, they wanted to bring um, pets to work here in the corporate office and, you know, our lease just won't let us do that. Um, doesn't mean I didn't listen. I didn't hear him. And I'm saying it now. I heard Marianne, I heard you and we can't do it. <laughs> so, um, so you've got to listen and the things that are actionable, you, you need to take serious consideration because it's at the end of the day, it's not your company. I don't care if you're, if you own a hundred percent, it's, it's your, it's your employee's company. And if you don't treat it like that and you don't listen to what your, what your company has to say, you're going to fail. So, you know, I know that technology is, is, is one of the things that, uh, uh, that you're known for, what, what sort of role does technology play in all of this for you? Or how are you leveraging technology? Are you leveraging technology um, to gain a competitive advantage when it comes to culture and retention? Yeah, I think across the board, I mean, communication wise, I mean, we've still got a long ways to go. Um, from the applicant experience, we need to improve on that for sure. Uh, always do. We're looking at new technologies, as you know, Jeremy, to, to improve on that process. Um, and you know, communication with those, with those drivers in particular, how do you do that? And we're still trying to figure out ways to make that even better. And, and I would say, you know, uh, technology, um, this is sort of an anti-technology thing, but something that fits into that communication uh, word I used before. I mean, we, um, my, our marketing manager who's here with me now, we, we do handwritten note cards, right? For birthdays, anniversaries, new hires within the first week and six months. Those are the four cards that we, me and my chief operating officer personally sign and write handwritten notes, celebrating them and checking in on them. Um, that's not really technology, but that's part of, uh, I think it's connected in with the, the communication process. So is there other ways to keep that? An open door policy is not as good if your drivers are spread around 43 states um, 100 locations like we are, it's very difficult. So you've got to use technology um, to, to be able to connect with them. And we're still trying to figure out ways to do even better there. Well, I think with the handwritten notes, that's how you stand out. You know, um, and especially when today, I mean, on an any on any given day, we might see hundreds of emails, uh, hundreds of, you know, text communications and those sorts of things. Whereas you get something, especially something written by hand by the CEO of a company, um, that uh, that stands out. You probably aren't throwing that out. You're not dismissive with it. You're not deleting it. I mean, you're that's that's a big deal. That took time, and that matters. And I think that resonates. And I think that's a wise use of it. Well, no, I I think I believe that, and that's why we do it. It's it's not it's not a it's not a light effort. It takes work for our marketing team and for 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 me and, and a lot of, a lot of Sharpies to go through to, to get that done, but I, I wouldn't trade that for the world. So I call that technology. I mean, there's other ways that we could automate that and, uh, and do that via email, but you'd lose that personal touch that, um, so the technology to a point, but not technology to a flaw. And communication is, is, is how you leverage technology the most, I think kind of to, to the point there. And, uh, if we could switch gears a little bit, I would like to talk about uh, team one logistics. Now, you've been at the helm now for approaching seven years, I think. Is That's that right. correct? Yep. And uh, can you share with the audience, you know, what Team One does? Because I, I know you have a unique uh, business model. You work with you know, trucking companies, private for hire, uh, warehousing, 3PLs, and, and so on. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, to use some industry phrases, we think of ourselves and and sort of sell ourselves as a 3PL, right? But we're a 3PL that's focused on the people side of the business. So we partner with asset-based companies all over the country. You mentioned a few types, um, trucking companies, third-party logistics company with assets, whether that be a truck and or warehouse, uh, private fleets, 
manufacturing companies, distributors that, that have private fleets of their own, where transportation is potentially just a cost center. Um, but at the end of the day, they all, they don't drive themselves, right? Those trucks don't drive themselves. Uh, and so they need to focus on the people side of the business. So we bring a platform of resources to our partners to help them fuel the people that drive their business. And that, and that phrase is sort of our catchphrase because that's um, what, we, what we bring and the value we deliver to our, to our partners so that they can help build culture. They can do it safely. And then they can also grow um, and take advantage of leveraging safety and culture in their operations um, for those that want to do it. And, and we're not a fit for everybody. Sadly, there's a lot of companies out there that are either not looking to grow, they for some reason aren't worried about safety, um, or more sadly, they're not worried about building a culture for their for their families and their teams that they support. Um, so we, we, we're looking for all those kind of partners that, um, that really do value those, those three sort of pieces that are built into our DNA. And when that works, we can do it and save companies a lot of money. We take on a lot of, li lot of liability for um, the work that we do. Um, so we're not just consultants. We are experts, but we're rolling up our sleeves um, and truly partnering with those asset-based companies to help them grow safely with culture. Now, with all the, the supply chain challenges that we've experienced the past year or so, uh, how has that impacted your business? Uh, it seems that more companies are looking to outsource their logistics department, certainly a, a lot of private fleets. Uh, are you seeing that? Is that impacting your business? We are. It's sort of a double-edged sword, right? More and more companies looking to do those things that I described that fit the team one model very well, find a partner that can focus 100% of their time on the people side of the business because they want that for their teams. Um, but it's harder than ever, um, as you know, Jeremy, harder than ever to find not just drivers, but safe, professional, qualified drivers is really where the shortage is. Um, and so we're, our, our talent managers that do that every day are awesome experts at doing it, uh, but the pool has shrunk and the pool is more challenging. Uh, and there's a lot of fishing poles in that pond. Um, so we, we bring that resource to help them set themselves apart. Uh, and then able to catch those fish, not to belittle commercial drivers as fish, but uh, the, the, I think the analogy fits. Well, and and, and the fishing pole, I think the, the the visual that I got there is 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 legit. And the the question, I guess, the follow up question is, what do we do to get more to stock that you know that pond? How do we how do we grow them? How do we you know you know get more drivers, more new entrants into the industry? You got a, any silver bullets that come to mind for you? Man, I wish I had a whole shotgun full of silver bullets. I think I think the answer is there is silver buckshot, right? Not not necessarily a silver bullet. Um, we we've got a perception problem. You and I talked about this at the GMTA conference. Um, we've got a problem of perception in our industry, especially amongst younger folks. Um, we've got a problem of perception um, that folks don't think trucking is a is a sexy job to get into. You and I couldn't disagree more um, with them. Uh, we do think it is. And um, and then it's hard for them, you know, just legislatively, regulatorily to get into the industry. They're off doing something else when they're 18, 20 years old. <clears throat> it's hard to get them back into the fold to come be a, a professional driver. Um, so we've got to do a better job of, of early intervention, if you will, to get them excited um, about the transportation logistics industry and, and trucking in particular. Um, and then we've got to leverage technology because, and this is one of the things you asked me before, what I talk about a lot is, you know, what can we do to get the, that younger folks into the, into our trucks? Well, you, they're going to show, they're going to show up and say, okay, well, how do I keep track of where my loads are going to go? And if you're handing them paper logs or giving them some sort of non-technology, they want the app, they want the iPad, they want, you know, they want technology because it's in their DNA. They literally were born using it. If you can't supply that, that safe professional driver, that great hire is going somewhere else. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I think uh, so you do to, in order to attract, I think what you're saying here is to, to attract some of the younger drivers into the industry. We certainly have to lead with technology. Um, and, you know, I, I really do think, you know, fast forward how many years, I don't know for sure. But the more that the autonomous technology evolves and the more autopilot sort of functionality evolves, I think that has an opportunity to attract more drivers to the industry, younger drivers who say, that's just cool. Like I want to drive something like that. It, it makes for a better experience, a better job experience. hundred percent agree. And that that's that communication, right? And listening to what your employees want or what your future employees are going to want. Uh, and then putting that in practice, we need to start doing that now. Um, and communicating out where that industry is going. And I, you know, I think ATA and the, the different industry associations that are out there are doing an okay job. I think that's somewhere where they can really double down is future workforce. What is the needs there and how do we start communicating that today for the workers that we need three, four years from now that are in high school, perhaps? Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very active in ATA, active uh, with the uh, Workforce Development Committee of the ATA. It's fairly new, a few years uh, old uh, formed group. And then uh, also a, an executive uh, board member of Next Generation in Trucking, which is all about training high school graduates, um, high school students to become CDL drivers. And it's really, it's almost, a, it's this chicken or the egg sort of issue that we're dealing with here. We need uh the opportunity to get 18 to 20 year olds behind the wheel in a, in an interstate capacity. And, you know, obviously, you know, that's in the uh, infrastructure bill and, and that's something that we'll start to see here in the next year and, and beyond um, at in a pilot, you know, basis, but still, I think that it's, it's progress. It still may take time, but I do think that that's an important part of solving for this problem and getting younger students behind, uh, uh, or younger, younger, uh, younger, new entrants into the industries. We've got to be able to um, open the door up to high school graduates. Do you would you agree with that? Oh, to totally agree. I'll give you another example of resources and, and communication. And here in the state of Georgia, where, where my company's headquartered, and I know this well because I work for the state of Georgia. You know, you can go to a technical college, part of the technical college system of Georgia, and get a free training, free education. The tuition is free. Um, because it's a critical high demand job as Georgia has defined it, go to any technical college and go through the training to end with getting a CDL. And I talk to trucking companies and I talk to folks that are interested in getting involved in trucking, um, have no clue here in Georgia. Um, lots of resources, lots of great stuff. And I think great leadership from the state to come out with that program, but very few people know about it, right? Um, I happen to know about it because of the positions I've held, as you mentioned earlier, but trucking executives need to know that. Uh, you know, Ed Kroll at GMTA certainly knows about it, and he's doing everything he can to jump up and down on tables to, to tell people about it. But we've got, again, a long ways to go. They're doing an okay job, um, but it's got to get out more um, into the industry um, for them to be able to take advantage of programs like that. That's just one small state example. Yeah, and I'm sure that's multiplied by a whole number of states. That same thing applies. You there's just a, there's, there's just a, I don't know if it's, it's not a breakdown in, in effort to communicate. It's a, it's a breakdown in listening, it sounds like, or, or understanding. Uh, this might be a good opportunity to, to take a question from our audience in our deeper dive segment. Um, you know, and this is, this is related to the driver shortage uh, and, and the supply chain issues. How much of an impact is the driver shortage having on the supply chain issues at our nation's ports? Obviously, in fact, just recently I interviewed, uh, uh, Peter Schneider at TGS Logistics, who was talking, I mean, he's in uh, Long Beach uh, and, and LA ports, 
and you know largest in the country and 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 explained really really well how some of the challenges they were having and why what do you what 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 is your take how much of an impact is the driver shortage uh, having on that yeah, I mean, first, the driver shortage isn't new, right? As you know, as Rebecca Brewster certainly knows, she talks about it for years. It's been number one or two on the list, top 10 issues for years, along with truck parking, which we probably won't get to, but again, another critical issue. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, so that truck driver shortage is not new, and, and the impact that it's had on ports is not new. You know, at the end of the day, you know, that, that freight that comes from wherever it's coming in the world, one thing is 100% true. It does not want to be at that port, right? It wants to get somewhere else basic supply chain issue. And that's something else, 80% of it moves by trucks. So when there's a shortage in drivers, that means there's a shortage and also in trucks and trailers, um, sort of a, a full Monty of, of issues that our trucking industry is facing re regarding ports, um, that, that cargo stacks up and ends up then backing up into the boats, you know, 96 boats sitting off the ports of California waiting to come in. Uh, that's not caused by trucking, but, um, that's that's a piece of the puzzle. It's a supply chain and the truck driver shortage, the trucking industry is a critical link in that supply chain. And it's not the weakest link for sure. I think, you know, ports in California, the efficiency there of those ports is one of the weaker links, um, a variety of reasons why. Um, but so we've got to make sure that trucking is is a strong link as as it is today. Um, and that means we got to find more drivers and specifically drivers that want to do port drainage type work. And that's a whole different animal and how it's, whether you're using an independent contractor model or whether you're paying by the move um, and you've got to be able to get volume in and out of the ports. Uh, there's stories, not just during the supply chain pandemic crisis of trucks showing up to the port of LA and Long Beach sitting for the day and leaving without a load. Okay. Well, that's an efficient day. Uh, and that happens, right? And so why? So those are things that story gets out and then truckers don't want to do port drainage type work. Well, uh, last question I'd like to ask is, is you know, how have you managed to, to navigate through the challenges uh, of a global pandemic? I mean, both the need to operate remotely uh, and the need to address, you know, getting everyone back in the office together and, you know, obviously now having to deal with questions of vaccinations or not and that sort of, you know, how, how are you managing just all of those sorts of challenges? Because that's that's leadership, I think, to me in times of in challenging times. Yeah, I, you know, early on in the pandemic and we'll be quick here, but the uh, early on the pandemic, we we started listening and I started reporting out weekly staff calls to to really just the staff, not so much the drivers. Um, telling them what was going on, telling them where we are as a company, reassuring them what's going on, talk about the sales wins, talk about the challenges in some places that we're having and struggles, finding safe, qualified drivers, and, and really just engaging them and keeping up, up to speed with stuff that normally I wouldn't bring up every week, um, really help keep them connected into what the business is going through. From our driver's perspective, you know, not a whole lot has shifted. Um, communication when so that they weren't hearing the the rumor mill that they heard on CNN or what what the next vaccine thing is going to go down. They, I want them to hear that from me or from my team um, so that they can be sure that we're up up to speed on what's going on and and they they hear it from the, literally from the horse's mouth on how that's going to impact their job and their families. Um, so that proactive communication. At times, you know, maybe a little bit more communication that we needed to do because some of the things that have come out haven't come to fruition that we talked about. But I think it's comforting and gave them confidence in their job to go out there on the road because they didn't get to take a day off, right? They had to work even harder through the pandemic um, to master those supply chain challenges. So communication and consistency um, into what we were doing as business is what we've done. And communication, you know, is is important, that consistent communication. But I think to your point, when times are tough, you communicate even more. 
That's right. right? You, you're, you're, you're in front of them even more. And that's important. And that's comforting. Um, Paige, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your leadership and expertise. And uh, here's to a strong 2022. Amen. Thank you. And thanks for joining me for another episode of Taking the Higher Road and for spreading the word to your industry peers. We really appreciate it. Remember, you can submit any questions or comments, including those which may appear on upcoming Deeper Dive segments at podcast at driverreach.com. And don't forget to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on whatever platform you use to listen. Until next time, thank you for taking the higher road.